Welcome to the Insurgents Podcast with Frank Viola. And he's brought a friend. This is the podcast that supplements Frank's groundbreaking book, Insurgents, Reclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom, which is shaking up the Christian world. You can find out details about the book at insurgents.org. Sit back, open all four ears, physical and spiritual, and join the insurgents. Here's Frank. Hello, ladies and germs. This is episode 15,720 of the Insurgents podcast, and I have Nicholas with me once again, and we are glad you're here with us. Good chilly morning, Frank. (laughs) You see, I've countered you with my Eagles ball cap. Oh, all right. (laughs) We're jealous of those of you who are in the northern states because... Gosh, it's going to be 64 degrees out here in Florida a little later. You know, it's a horrible winter. It's just a horrible winter. What can I say? Bad February. <laughs> and last week, I think we had one day that was in the 80s. Yeah. So, yeah, it's tough, man. It's tough going through these kind of winters here in Florida. You know what I'm saying? We manage. <laughs> it's all grace. Well, today we are going to talk about the eternal perspective of kingdom living and In full disclosure, this is a topic that is particularly challenging to me, especially uh, over the last nine months. It's been a real struggle to focus on the eternals, the eternal nature of the kingdom and the eternal reality of, of our lives, and rather to become absorbed with the here and now, and even even as it relates to the Lord's work. Don't misunderstand, I'm not talking about natural earthly things only. I'm talking about even being engaged in God's work here and now to the point where you lose sight of the eternal, where you lose sight of you know what happens after death. Uh, you lose sight of the reward. You lose sight of those words that we all, I think, should covet to hear from the Lord. Well done, good and faithful servant. So I'd like to kick this off, Nikki, by reading some scripture here that relate to this whole matter. In Luke 21, verse 34, Jesus says, Be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close in on you suddenly like a trap. That's the NIV. And there he's talking about when the Son of Man comes in a cloud with power and great glory. However you interpret that, it is speaking of judgment, a judgment to come. I don't want to get off on a tangent, but there's the judgment that already happened in 70 AD, but there's also a coming judgment that Paul talks about, and I think here the Lord perhaps had both in view. The New Living Translation puts it this way, Watch out, don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and by the worries of this life. Don't let that day catch you unaware. And then the ESV Watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. I'm focusing on the cares of this life. That phrase, the anxieties, the worries of this life. In Mark 4, Jesus gave the parable of the sower. And he talked about four different kinds of soil. And how the seed will respond differently or produce a different kind of result based on the kind of soil it falls into. And it's interesting because in Matthew 13, 19, he defines the seed as the word of the kingdom, the message of the kingdom. So the seed is the gospel of the kingdom. And 
in Mark 4, verses 18 to 19, he talks about the seed that fell among thorns. And he says, the seed that was sown among thorns are those that hear the word, they hear the gospel of the kingdom, the message of the kingdom, in verse 19, but the cares of the world, the cares of this life, the worries of this life, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things, enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. And so, how this applies to me, and I think probably (laughs) some of our listeners, if not many, is the temptation to become myopic and become so focused on the cares of this world, the concerns of this world, the worries of life, the day-to-day problems that we have to deal with. It can create this tunnel vision where we lose sight of the eternal perspective, right? Acts 24, and this is uh, Paul preaching, and he's talking about having hope in God that there shall certainly be a resurrection, both of the righteous and the wicked. In view of this, he speaks of himself, I do my best to maintain always a blameless conscience both before God and before men. This is interesting, I think, because Paul is saying, in view of the coming resurrection, I seek to have a clear conscience. So his mind is on the future. It's not just on the present. Second Corinthians 5, Paul again says, We're confident we prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Therefore, we aspire to please him, whether we are at home, in the body, or away from it, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive his due for the things done in the body, whether good or bad. Philippians 3, our citizenship is in the heavenly realm, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's interesting. He's eagerly waiting for the Lord to return. Titus 2, the grace of God instructs us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. Notice the words, looking for. We live in such a way, the grace of God teaches us to live in such a way that we're walking in the kingdom and we're reflecting the kingdom, we're reflecting the king, but we're looking for that blessed hope, the future coming of the kingdom, the future fullness, the consummation of it. Hebrews 13, let us go out to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach, for here on earth we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking the city which is to come. 1 Peter chapter 1, his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. A living hope, an inheritance for the future, reserved in heaven, that won't fade away. This reminds me of uh, what Jesus said in Matthew 6 and in Luke 12, where he exhorts his followers, that's us, to store up treasure in heaven, not on earth. Again, it's looking to the future. It's looking into the eternal. 1 John 3, we know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope, again, hope is always future. It's always tied to the resurrection, our resurrection, the coming of Christ. Everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he, Jesus, is pure. And there's a passage in Ecclesiastes 3 that says, God has set eternity in the human heart. The ecclesia of God is shot through with eternity. And we as God's people being in Christ, that eternal perspective is in our DNA. 
You know, it's there. But because of the cares of this life, we can lose sight of it easily. Other passages in, in Hebrews and in, in the writings of Peter, we're called sojourners. We're called pilgrims in this world. Point being, we don't really belong to this earth, at least in the current state it's in. We are resident aliens. So the kingdom of God, which is future, has arrived already, but while we're still learning how to live in it now, <laughs> we should never lose sight of its future character and the future reality of the resurrection, the reward in the kingdom, how the Lord is going to interact with us in the future after this life. This doesn't mean we become so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. That's always a danger. And I think traditional fundamentalism has kind of put that into the drinking water of the Christian faith that, you know, we get our, we get our ticket to heaven. And, and so now we're just focused on going to heaven, leaving this dirty old planet. God's going to whisk us away through the rapture or death. And, and that's really where we're focused. But the other danger is to become so focused on the here and now, whether it's through the cares of this life or even doing God's work on the earth. Because that can be consuming as well, both in mind and body. To be so heavily focused on the here and now that we lose sight of eternity. And in this regard, if we're not heavenly minded, we can't be any earthly good. From a biblical perspective. <laughs> and so that's why Paul says in Second Corinthians 4, The visible things are temporal, but the invisible things are eternal. And then he exhorts us, to set our minds on what's invisible. And in Colossians 3, the opening passage is there. He says to set our minds and hearts on things above, not on things on the earth. And that's not just the invisible things as we're walking in this life, but it's the invisible things of the future. It's the eternity that God has put in our hearts. So there's that too. What say you, Nicholas? Good stuff. Yeah. Well, just coming back to Mark 4 and the uh, parable of the the sower, um, there's some fairly grim statistics in this parable. <laughs> yes, that's true. Uh, there's there's four types of soil that get seed, and only one out of four, 25%, if it's being done evenly, uh, only, only 25%, one in four, really yields anything mm. eternal and permanent. So I, I don't know what to make of that, except that it's very sobering to think that the sower, who has good seed and sows it in the various types of soils, only manages to have a quarter of, of that seed actually come to fruition. Um, to me, that's just really sobering, um, because quite frankly, I'm all for those soils at different points of my walk, if I'm going to be totally honest. Yeah. I, I want to be the last type, but that's not always true. One of the best things we can do is acknowledge when we're having one of those bad soil moments in our life and uh, cry out to the Lord to to make us better soil those areas. I think we ought to have a silent moment of pity for you right now. <laughs> no, I agree with you, and that's been my experience as well. I don't think any of us can soberly say we always match the fourth kind of soil. Right. Yeah, and I think the other thing to point out about this, Frank, is that in verse 10 and 11, it says, As soon as he was alone, his followers, along with the twelve, began asking him about the parable, so they didn't have a clue. 
And he was saying to them, to you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God. So Jesus is equating this parable with the mystery of the kingdom of God. So this parable is really important if you're interested in the kingdom of God. Amen to that. <laughs> and let me interject one other point. In verse 13, he says, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? So in other words, there's something it seems unique about this foundational elementary and unique about this parable that unlocks all the other parables. Yeah, I, I think so. And then he goes on and gives them a, an explanation, line-by-line line explanation of that parable in the next uh, bunch of verses from 16 down to 20. So, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty sobering stuff. And like so many other things in... In the Christian walk, you know, we, we have a tendency to fall hard off one side of the horse or the other. And I think you just addressed that with the becoming so earthly minded or becoming too heavenly minded. And once again, there's this, this needle that needs to be threaded that only the Son of God can thread and only the Son of God can thread in our own lives. And so much of this is a heart issue. I have a friend who... If you were to look at his outward life, you would say he's done materially well for himself. But one of the things that fascinates me about this, this guy is his heart is not attached to any of his stuff. And I know a lot of people that have stuff, and they are attached to their stuff. And many times, if you will compliment this guy on something, he will hand it right over to you. He is not attached. He gives stuff away constantly. And, he, and he's not so wealthy that he can just replace it e easily. Mm. He has this blessed detachment from the things that he does have in his life. And it's not just material things. It's I, I've, I've seen him move from a couple different careers onto another one. And so the problem is not in the things and the problem is not in your career and the problem is how entangled are you how how tightly wound are the vines of the aspects of this life wound around your heart and can can they be snipped away or stripped away in a moment if necessary and it's a very tricky business when we start talking about this because it's easy to slide into um, kind of a legalistic mentality where you you're kind of just start stripping away things that the Lord hasn't put his finger on and then, of course, there's the flip side of that, which is that you're ignoring things or protecting things that the Lord is trying to strip away from you. So it just gets a little bit dicey. It takes the Holy Spirit. It yes. takes other members of the body of Christ, which is so essential because other believers can see what we cannot see, especially if they get close to us, which takes time as well. Now, I want to jump in and say something here to our listening audience. We had something disturbing just happen. And you probably don't notice it because the audio was edited. But 20 minutes into the recording on this topic, the session you're listening to right now, when we finished the recording, which originally was about 33 minutes long, something happened with the computer and the recording software lost the entire recording. Well, thankfully, I had a backup. 
but the backup only captured 20 minutes of the recording up until just before I started talking here. So I would say, Nicholas, probably the greatest things that we have ever shared uh, <laughs> since we've been breathing oxygen were shared in that 13 minutes that were lost. I mean, would you not agree with that? Gone forever into eternity. <laughs> only you and I will know this <laughs> incredibly dynamic content. <laughs> I'm laughing because... That's not exactly true, but we both felt that what we shared was very good. It was and here, pretty good stuff. It was it um, was pretty good, and we got vulnerable, both of us. <laughs> very personal, more, very, much more personal than normal. Maybe that was forbidden. It's just, I don't know. But we did pray before, before we did the recording. We asked the Lord to guide the equipment. We asked the Lord to guide our conversation, but also to preserve the recordings. I mean, that was one of the things we prayed. So I can't believe then that that was the enemy. I just don't believe it. I believe that somehow in God's sovereignty, he didn't want us to record the last 13 minutes. That's the only conclusion I can have. And maybe someday on this side of the veil, Nicholas, we'll know why, because I don't know the answer to that. As we both talked about, we both felt it was very powerful. If the kingdom has a dustbin, those... <laughs> Last 15 minutes are now sitting in the kingdom dustbin. Mm. And there were some comical things said, too, that maybe that's why. Maybe there was just too much humor. I don't know. But I can't even remember what we said in detail to be able to regurgitate it or rehearse it. Most I, likely the Lord was protecting us from ourselves. Perhaps. Yeah. But anyway, I guess to close this out, I'll just share a few thoughts and, and I'll just throw the ball over to you. And that is... Keep the eternal perspective. I'm speaking to myself just as I'm speaking to all of you who are listening. Because it's easy to lose sight of it, especially if you're going through a crisis or you're focused intently on your work. It could even be work for the Lord. You could be so focused on kingdom work now that you forget about the eternal dimension of the kingdom for the future. In the future those future realities. And so keep the kingdom perspective, do whatever you can to keep it before you. As Peter says in his first letter, I urge you as strangers and pilgrims in this world. That's an interesting phrase. And the fact that we're resident aliens ought to be ever before us. And whatever we have to do to remind ourselves, whether it's putting up plaques, whether it's reading affirmations, whether it's getting together with other believers and reminding one another that this world is just a blip on the screen of eternity. Again, Peter says, our life is like a vapor. It's here today, gone tomorrow. If you live 95 years old, which is a lengthy time in this life, that's still a speck in the ocean of eternity. So, again, getting back to that episode that we did on rewards, the rewards of the kingdom that John Nugent and I produced on this podcast, keeping that before us, looking at our hope, our, our future resurrection in the new heaven and the new earth, storing up treasure not on earth but in the heavenlies. All of these things are critical for living out the kingdom of God now. Not being so heavenly minded, we're no earthly good, but we cannot be of any good on this earth if we're not heavenly minded. And so we have those two aspects of kingdom living that need to be held in tension. Yes. The most powerful tool, I believe, that the Lord has given us to maintain this balanced heavenly mindedness, but not 
so far gone that were no earthly good is other people, brothers and sisters. And so some of the recording that we lost had to do with Frank and I giving some practical examples about mm-hmm. what we do, how, how we have some other people involved in our lives. And so, again, not sure if the original recording caught this, but in Frank's book, Insurgents, he repeatedly stresses the importance of starting some type of a kingdom cell. One other person, two other people. Mm. And because really, while there are a lot of other things we can do, and Frank mentioned kind of what he does in putting some things up around his home to remind him of the eternal aspect and to have the long view, there is no substitute for face-to-face interaction with with our brothers and sisters in Christ. That is the tippity-top best. And I think that's why Frank stresses that in his book, that if you can't have the privilege of being part of a healthy, vibrant, functioning ecclesia, then, you know, one or two other people will carry you a long, long way. And we've experienced that these last two days, just you and I, yeah. talking yeah. about the things of the kingdom, the things of the Lord, stirring one another up. Yeah. Well, folks, again, we we're sorry that we lost the greatest 13 minutes of our existence on this planet when it comes to sharing the things of the kingdom of God. But I guess that was the Lord's will, so we let it go. Gold, Jerry. Gold. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you on the other side, and we are being facetious partly. Take care. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Insurgents Podcast and give it a five-star review on iTunes. This will help others find it. Also, you can join Frank's unfiltered email list at frankviola.org and receive encouragement, challenges, and insights connected to the gospel of the kingdom. Remember, the insurgence has begun. Don't miss it.